Welcome to the Dadpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Oliveira. Each and every week, we bring on different leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts in different areas of business. And sometimes it, it professional meets the personal, obviously here on the Dadpreneur Podcast. Um, but I think an area, uh, the, the area that we're going to discuss today, the topic with our guest, Emily Sanders, is is a topic that is relevant to everyone, whether you're in business, where you're a parent, uh, whether you just want to be a leader in your community, maybe a nonprofit. So it encompasses so much. So my guest, Emily Sanders, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Alex. Happy to be here. A fellow Floridian. There you go. Yeah, we were just talking about that, how, um, you know, everyone knows Florida. So that's an easy way. But uh, we're you're in Central Florida. I'm just outside of Central Florida. Yeah. So yeah, so it's fun. We're going to talk leadership today because I think the first thing for those first stage entrepreneurs that listen to our show, the question always comes up like, um, can I be trained and learn leadership or people are, or are people just born leaders? Talk to me about that. Yeah, for sure. So leadership, number one, it evolves. So it's it's not a static thing that you have or don't have, or you have a certain amount. It, it evolves. So my leadership journey has changed over time. Um, your leadership journey, I'm sure the same, anyone listening. Um, it's also situational leadership. So um, mm. someone who's running a Fortune 500 company is going to need to employ different leadership skills and characteristic, uh, characteristics and do different things than a solopreneur. And so you're going to have to say, okay, uh, you know, play to my strengths. What am I naturally good at? What do people think of me for? Um, what do I lose time doing? What could mm. I, you know, do? And I just, I do better than other people. Um, so know your strengths and then know the situation you're in. So I'm an entrepreneur and then also know what stage of career or what stage your business is in. So literally if you're in like the first month of trying to get this thing off the ground, that initial inertia you're going to have to be doing different things and prioritizing different things um, in your company and in yourself than let's say you're established and you've got you know incoming revenue and you've got a full team with you. Uh, that's a different stage of the company. So, uh, so much to talk about, but I'll open it up with that and, and uh, see where it takes us. Awesome. Well, before we go any further, um, I, I typically start to show with um, you telling me a little bit about yourself, which I didn't do because I was so excited to talk to you <laughs> about leadership. So Emily, tell us about yourself. Like early on, how did you get into leadership? Sure. So I was um, thrown in the deep end with ankle weights. That's how I got into leadership. So I've been in the business world uh, for 15 plus years now. I started at small companies you may have heard of like Microsoft and Amazon, um, did early, early stints there. And then I worked through a series of small to medium technology-based businesses. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really where I cut my teeth into leadership. I became a people manager. I built and scaled an uh, international client management team from scratch. I had never like reviewed a resume or hired anyone before. So that was exciting and worked my way up. So my last uh, most recent role was serving as chief of staff uh, mm -hmm. for a company. And that's where my principal was our CEO. I worked very closely with our leadership team, making sure business priorities were clear and people were resourced and, and working on that together. And several years ago, um, I was in between jobs and mm -hmm. I was doing some reflecting on what was my favorite part of each job, what really stood out, what was rewarding and fulfilling to me. And um, something something stood out across the board, which was helping other people be successful and helping other people get to their next level, whatever that was for them. It could be you know, a 
career advancement and actual promotion. It could be helping with their confidence. It could be saying, hey, you have a voice at the table. When you're at this team meeting, you need to use it, um, those types of things. So that coincided with me finding out about coaching and business coaching, leadership, executive coaching. And I was like, that's for me. So I went, got certified, went through the full training, which was very intensive, but awesome. And I've been a, um, an ICF, uh, ICF executive coach for the last uh, several years. And I work with business leaders and business professionals, um, as well as entrepreneurs from all over the world. And it's been a really great ride and, and so uh, enjoyable and rewarding. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a selfless job because you're supporting people on their journey and pointing them in the right direction. And I also find in in my world in um, marketing and lead gen and just different businesses I'm, that I'm in that the coach or mentor can play such a huge role, right? Because like you can know and be experienced in certain areas of business, but there's nothing like someone who's unbiased, experienced putting together processes and holding you accountable. Uh, I do it on both ends. I like to mentor people and I like to be mentored and I've had many coaches. So I'm, I'm a huge proponent of having a coach in your life, especially when it comes to business. Um, there's no replacement for it. You can't have like an assistant or a VA and go, Oh, that's my coach. Like yeah. <laughs> you, you, you can't do that. Like I'm sure you bring so many different processes to the table to make those systems, you know, help the, the, that entrepreneur make, make things consistent because it's so hard as a leader to make sure that things are always moving in the right direction. And especially for entrepreneurs and certain, certain CEOs, they don't answer to someone else in the same way that other professionals do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, part of the allure of being an entrepreneur is I'm my own boss and I get to right. make my own schedule. And part of the downfall of being an entrepreneur is I'm my own boss and I have to yeah. make my own schedule. <laughs> um, so yeah, exactly. So, I mean, having someone to be that objective outside objective sounding board, like you said, that's, that's spot on and also getting people clear on their priorities. So I wake up in my coaching business, I can literally do one of like 200 things which one am I going to pick? What, what mm. is the right activity for me to be doing and spending my time and energy on? Let me get clear about my goals and then work to my strengths uh, to, to get a roadmap together. So similar to you, it sounds like I have a team of coaches I work with, and mm. that's because I've experienced the benefit of coaching and I'm driven and I'm committed and I could do it on my own. I'm confident in that, sure. but I can do it faster. And I can do it better and it's going to be more enjoyable with a coach. And so I really, um, I'm a huge proponent of coaching. Not, you, you don't have to be with me, but go get a right. coach. I just promote that till, uh, till the cows come home. Um, but yeah, especially for an entrepreneur, it's, you don't have anyone um, encouraging you, motivating you in the right places at the right times or keeping you accountable or challenging you in the right places at the right times. So a coach can be a really valuable resource in that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think sometimes the blind spots as an mm -hmm. entrepreneur that you don't see because things are moving so fast, you're making so many decisions, right? You've got, you wake up, you've got finances to worry about, how are sales going, marketing, HR, you're hiring new people, you're trying to acquire new companies, making, I mean, there's just so many things moving. And even with your COO and CMO and all the different people that play that level at the management, uh, you know, in the management suite, I mean, they've got their jobs to do. 
Yeah. And that's what I've always found. Cause early on when, I, when it was just me 20 years ago, I used to think, no, but I'll hire people. Yeah. But those people have jobs to do. So you, <laughs> you find that for them to be doing their job really well, coaches for them in my case has been tremendous to Huge. offer that to my management team. Some of them take it, some of them don't, right? Just it depends on, on their style. But one thing that I always find um, that, that they are accepting of is like, even if they're not comfortable right away going with a coach, I'll say, listen, come to a mastermind group, right? Mm. Come to a mastermind group and just see when you're sitting at the table with your, with people who really, they don't have anything to gain by, you know, just giving you good advice and, and just talking shop. And typically they'll go to these peer to peer groups, mastermind groups that I belong to. And they'll go, wow, it's really cool. Like I, I, you know, I presented a problem and this group of people helped me solve it. I'm in, I'll go ahead and get yep. a coach, you know? So I think there's different ways to, it's to about results. It. I mean, like I get paid cause I give my clients results. If I don't give them results, then they stop coming to me, which is perfectly fine. That's fair. Um, but I think one thing you mentioned is building that team and that's huge. And so especially early on in kind of a startup environment or even middle stage is find people who's values are aligned with yours. So your lockstep and values, you know, integrity, do things the right way, et cetera, but whose skill sets differ from yours quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you can cover bases like finance or operations or HR or um, sales and marketing, whatever it is, make sure that your leadership team or your team in general is just well-rounded. And again, be self-aware, know what you bring to the table, know where your natural sweet spot is, and then don't be afraid of your weaknesses or it's like, oh my gosh, like going through a financial spreadsheet is like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. Let me find mm. someone who geeks out on that. Let me find someone who's really good at that and can help me uh, make those decisions for the business through a financial lens. Cause that can be hugely valuable, right? So put that team together, put the, you know, the A team together um, uh, early on. Well, it, let me ask you a question, Emily. I mean, early on, I have to at least think that in the tech world, um, I've been in that world for a long time doing the digital and marketing and all of that. And I've always seen, obviously, right, that it's dominated by males. And so even early on, I'm, I'm thinking of like you in these, you know, at Amazon at Microsoft. And how did you find your voice or your seat at the table? Because it's obviously a, a world that was, I mean, it's getting better today, but sure. predominantly male dominated. Yeah, it's a good question. I remember I was in an interview loop for one of our executive positions. So I would, we gave a panel interview and, and anyone coming into this SVP of sales and marketing had to speak with, I think, five or six of us. And I was mm -hmm. one. And they would get their call sheet, right? And they see my name, Emily Sander. And I was director of client management at the time. That was my title. Okay. I was very young uh, in that position. So when people thought director of client management, they did not think of a female, of a minority, of someone yes. in their twenties, you know? <laughs> and so when I walked through the door, they were like, oh, can I grab some coffee? Or that, you know, I'm, like, I'm not here for that. I'm here to interview you. Yeah. Um, and like, oh, okay. So they would, you know, kind of flex and, and, uh, to, to that. But yeah, I mean, there were things like that for sure. Um, it was, uh, there's there's times for, for any woman in any any workplace there's times where it's like okay i'm the only or i'm the first or like i'm the you know i have to be conscious about how i'm doing things um what i will say is i was very fortunate to have a ceo who you know was a male happened to be a guy who really built his team on merit and he mm. said i want the best person for this job 
And I don't care, you know, male, female, you know, black, white, gay, straight, whatever. I, I just want the best person for the freaking job. And it happened that, you know, if I looked around his leadership team, it was a pretty good mix. I mean, there were uh, females in operations. Um, I was running the client management team. Um, we had a diverse uh, set of people and it wasn't casting. It wasn't for optics of, mm. of doing that. It was just, I want the right people in the right seats. And I think it also was an advantage to our team. And I'm not just saying that to say that it was yeah. having a diversity in background and experiences is an advantage because the world is made up of people with diverse backgrounds and experiences. Yeah. So you can just you know, interact and connect with your customers and with different vendors, everyone. It just makes it such a, um, such a more dynamic and um, advantageous crew. So, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, yes, there, there were certainly um, tough moments and awkward, you know, moments that now become silly, hopefully silly stories. Um, mm -hmm. And I will say that if you're a leader who, um, you know, is a, is a, as a male and looking to kind of like, how do I diversify and do all these things? Um, really just ask yourself, who is the best person for this job? And if I didn't know anything else about them, um, how would I, how would I go about that? And uh, one more quick story I'll share on that is one of my favorite memories is we had a new CEO who was female coming into our company. And we had an interim president who had run the, run the place for a while, but was, was going to exit. Um, and he worked for the new CEO. And he brought his two young daughters in at the time and said, hey, you know, hey, guys, this is daddy's boss. Can you say hello to Allison? And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And later I asked him, I was like, you know, I, I watched you do that. And I thought that was really cool. And he was like, it was really important for me to show my daughters that I could work for a woman and that they could lead a company one day. Wow. And I, I literally like in that moment, I was like, oh, and I remember it to that day. So men, if you're listening, do not discount the value and the impact you can make with these types of decisions and these types of, of activities, just, um, you know, everyone plays a part in this and, and you're key in it as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we've made lots of, uh, lots of strides for sure, but there's still a long way to go. And yep. so I think that, you know, learning how to be a leader, um, especially for w uh, women and minorities, it becomes like such an important, you know, character sort of it's not even a trait i mean it is a character trait but it's something that you can learn right so i'll typically ask someone like you know have you read any leadership books you know and it's not like a ding on them if i'm interviewing them for a job i just want to know like what are you familiar with leadership because if you if you want to come into the organization and take a management or director position and you you've never been exposed to leadership training that there's kind of a problem there, you know, and typically if you get coaching with someone like yourself, you're going to be exposed to all the different leadership systems that are there. But, you know, when you go back to that time, it sounds like you've had lots of mentors, people who, who inspired you. Is there someone, it, it could even be in your family who was influential in your, you know, journey? Absolutely. I've been very fortunate. I mean, I look back and I, I probably took some for granted, but, you know, early on my mom and dad, they were both uh, successful business professionals in their respective fields. They were very encouraging, very supportive. Emily, you can do anything you want. They also pushed me and challenged me. So if I was going to do something, you do it right. And mm -hmm. you try to be the best at it and you be the best person you can, which was all well and fine. Um, and they really instilled the, uh, 
be a good person and it'll come back to you. So there's so many corners you can cut in business. There's so much politics you can play. You can, you can, you know, cut corners and maybe not treat someone or say a little something behind their back and and get what you want and weasel your way in. But they were just not about that from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And they instilled that in me. And that has reaped dividends for me. I feel like maybe it took me a little bit longer to get to places. Uh, Maybe, you know, someone else got the credit uh, Mm -hmm. when they actually did do something. But uh, knowing that I can stand up for for myself and how I represented myself is huge. Um, And then, you know, early on in my career, I remember I was, I hadn't managed a team yet, but I was known in the company that I was working for. I had demonstrated fledgling leadership skills and they're like, yeah, Emily, we kind of know who she is. And I, I was lucky enough to be mentored by, uh, by the senior person at the company. And one time he sat me down and almost offhandedly, he said, Emily, you know that you could run a department one day. And I literally did a double take, like around my shoulders. Like, are you like talking to me? Like, (laughs) um, and I had never conceived of that. That was not on my radar. That was just not in my head. And he planted a seed and over months and years, um, that took hold. And I was like, well, I don't think that, and I don't believe that about myself, but if he's saying that he's very seasoned, he knows what he's talking about. He's done this before. Interesting. And it just planted that scene and seed. And over time it grew to like, Oh, like maybe I could like, okay, let's try Like, no, I could do this. I could be a good people manager. And that, you know, as they say, the rest is history, but uh, certainly those moments with mentors, taking the time to invest in someone, taking the time to be interested in someone and taking the time to, speak vision over someone. I, you know, if you're a leader anywhere, if you're an entrepreneur, um, this is in business in life and community family, don't assume people see the good that you see in them. Tell them. I mean, that can literally change the trajectory of someone's life. One comment, one on offhanded comment. So I would, I would be very intentional about seeing the vision for someone's potential and someone's potential is something you think they can do, but is not yet realized mm-hmm. and something they might not see themselves and call that out of them and speak that over them. And that can work wonders for um, people in the world in general, but also your team and your company. Well, I so, so agree with you. I mean, that's such good advice. And I think like um, for me in my journey as an entrepreneur and a leader, that that's probably one of, one of the things I'm most proud of all the hundreds of employees that I've had that come back to you, you stay friends with, and they come back and will say something like that. Like, you yeah. know, I have one recent that went on to, she's in Colorado now working at Google and she interned for us for a while, but we spent a lot of time together, you know, and um, with my team, not only me, there was other people at the company too. And, you know, when she went on to Google, she, you know, reached out to us said, Hey, I, I need a recommendation letter. Say, oh, okay, no problem. And um, in talking to her new boss, you know, she said, oh, she spoke so highly, not only of you, but your other managers and how you guys really inspired her. And I said, wow, that's so, but it gives you such pleasure yeah. to, to be able to do that. So I agree with you. You never know. And, and on the same, I, I'm saying on the same token, but on the, on the flip side, I've done the opposite, which is a mistake, Emily, which is I've identified someone who I thought you know, had leadership skills and qualities. And, and then I want to impose um, sort of my vision for their success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, 
you, you, you're awesome. You should do it. And they're just like, whoa, I don't even want all that responsibility. And then I, I mean, I, I can remember dozens that, that this has happened with where I've gotten them the training, you go through this whole process, but then you come to this moment where you're having an honest conversation. And they're like, listen, I'm sorry to break it to you. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> don't want and that. you're like, what? And my point is as a leader, I've learned to not, not impose my, like my dreams for other people on them and first have that conversation with them and say like, look, I see that you have leadership potential, but like, if you don't want to lead a team, that's okay too. Yes, absolutely. Don't assume people's motivations or what they want. I actually made a similar, uh, similar faux pas. And I saw some, someone who was working on my team and I said, oh, she's really good. She's undervalued. She's underpaid. Like she's in this entry level job and she has so much potential. I went to my boss, made a huge case for creating Ooh. a new role for her, giving her a raise. And I brought her in. I was going to surprise her like, oh my gosh, like she's going to be so happy. She's going to thank oh, no. me. And she said, <laughs> Emily, if I go into that role, I quit. And I was like, yeah. excuse me. Like I went to bat for you. Like what the heck? And we got into this conversation and she said, I, her, her backstory was her parents were, uh, uh, killed in a car accident. And so she didn't need money. She wanted that specific entry-level project because she liked the data and, okay. the, and the project she was working on. And that was her motivation. And so I assumed that, you know, this person would want these things because at the time I would want those things. And it was just a total disconnect. And that was a huge lesson. I remember I, I was like so excited and I was like, she's going to be so grateful and thankful. And I was like, what? Yeah. So um, well. just a huge lesson. And, and don't assume um, people have the same motivations that you do. And that's perfectly, right. perfectly fine. Um, we need all, all people to, to run the, run the world and run a company. So yeah, I would definitely check in with people's <laughs> motivations, um, and how people, uh, operate. And that just leads into a, a greater theme of, you know, not everyone thinks like you operates like you, um, that's right. is scared of what you're scared of, gets triggered by what you get triggered by. Um, and so just being really curious, um, about uh, about the people that you're working with and really, you know, playing to their strengths as well and um, finding a way that everyone can complement each other's skill sets is is key. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're when you said about the raise, I had one uh, young lady who I saw the same in her, Emily, and I gave her all the opportunities and she kept just welcoming it, you know, but she just didn't want to tell me that she didn't want that. Right. <laughs> like, for example, um, we would do workshops. And so I said, great, you're the lead in these, you know, uh, uh, training workshops. We'd go to corporate and do it. She's like, yeah, okay, great, great. She just wasn't being honest with me mm. um, because she just felt the pressure, right? Just say yes to the boss. And, um, but all this came with raise and bonuses and all of this. So you're, like you said, I'm thinking this is great for her and her family. Yeah. Um, I kid you not. One day she comes in early in the morning. She was the first one at the office. And I'm thinking like, oh, that's weird. She's never like the first one here. She comes in. She walks in my office with her with her laptop, her keys, all the other stuff and says, here you go. I quit. Uh, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? Things are great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She <laughs> says, no, things are not great. Like I've been so stressed. Oh, I've, been, no. I, I've been getting anxiety. I say, what? Why? The reason I'm telling you this story, Emily, for our listeners, those leaders who are, yes, imposing your, your dreams and your, your visions on other people, because I probably had been making that mistake literally from day one 
when I <laughs> took leadership in 2000 to 2015. So I'd say for 15 years, I probably did that to dozens of people where I thought I was helping them. Yeah. And that was the moment where I really changed and looked from within. And for the last seven years, I've never done that. I make sure that if, if I have a dream for someone, I first discuss it with them <laughs> before I'm like, here, why don't you enter on this like journey to success? Here's there? my like, dream for you. Is that cool? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that, that was honestly, it was terrible. And I, I try to convince her, don't quit. I'll, I'll put you back where you know, I'm done. I'm done. Oh. And I, it just ruined the relationship. And I, I feel terrible about it because, <laughs> you know, I was um, not listening, not stopping to yeah. ask the right questions. Uh, and you're thinking like, wow, that's leadership. No, that's not leadership. You need right. to listen. So talk, talk to me about, you had an interesting word. I guess you have it in your book, a, sizz, a swizzle. Swizzle. What, what yeah. is that? <laughs> that's the word I made up. Um, I was like going <laughs> fast one day and I was talking to my team and I was like, just swizzle the slides deck slide decks together. And basically swizzle is a way to be uh, resourceful and creative about the different information and resources that you get from different areas of life. So the, the example from where it came from is we had a PowerPoint presentation we had to put together very quickly. And we had had three PowerPoint presentations we had used in the previous weeks. And so I said, swizzle those three decks together to make a new one. <laughs> and funny enough, my team knew what I was talking about just by context. I meant take the best slides out of each of the three decks. Okay. Take the most relevant information and put them in the new deck, like re, you know, wrap it in the in format, make it sure it flowed and everything. But use the best pieces of those and create our new deck. And the that theme and that framework can be expanded to all different areas. So um, an example that I love to share is I was listening to a podcast with Floyd Mayweather. He's a champion boxer. I know nothing about boxing. You don't want to see me fight anybody. But I was listening to this interview and the interviewer was like trying to get him to talk about like what made him the best. Is it your training, your diet, your footwork, da, da, da. And he finally said, it's my adaptability. Mm, it is okay. my ability to adapt to any opponent, any round, any punch. And I do that better than anyone. And that's what makes me the champion. And I sat there going, oh my gosh, you know, light bulb moment. Aha. I don't know anything about boxing but I can take that theme and principle and swizzle it into my world, into business. Where do I need to be more adaptable? Do I need to adapt to different people and their motivations? Do I need to adapt to different audiences in a team meeting when I'm talking to a vendor, when I'm talking mm -hmm. to a strategic partner in an interview, et cetera. And so using that principle and swizzling the best and most relevant parts of that for me uh, was helpful. And so people can do this in, in all areas of, of their yeah. life, you know, work and I'm outside of work, et cetera. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm, I've been swizzling my whole life. Here. I mean, I, honestly, I think, I, but you're right. And I, I love that example that you gave with adaptability, because I think like um, you can definitely in leadership or in business, you know, you can learn a lot of different things, you know, to be a great communicator, to be great with numbers. I mean, there's lots of different things, right? Um, but the adaptability thing is, is huge in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm and in leadership because the situations come at you sometimes so fast and you have to be like really resourceful, I guess, going back to your swizzle uh, definition. And, um, you know, what, so if, if someone comes to you, Emily, I mean, they're, they're young, they're trying to understand like what are, you know, maybe they haven't like, they haven't done enough in the career 
or in their business to be considered a leader yet, which I, which everyone is going to go through that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, even if you have leadership qualities, naturally, people are just not, you and I've been there. They're not going to recognize it from day one and say, here, take a Mm -hmm. seat at the head of the table. So what are the things that you can do? Of course, they can get a coach like you. Of course, they can read a book, get some, you know, maybe uh, uh, do some courses, but um, what, what do they need to know about leadership? Like what is like leadership 101 for that young person who is, you know, trying to get there? Yeah, that's a large question. But the first thing I say on that is um, be someone who is solution oriented and forward looking. So it's so easy to complain and like, this is a problem. Mm. Great. That's fantastic. Thank you for letting me know. Everyone knows that around the table. Do you have a solution? So if you're part of a team, um, come up with a solution. So identify a problem and then offer like, Hey, I've thought about this and here, here's my idea for something we could try, or here's three things that we might want to think about. Like, what do you guys think? Um, be proactive, uh, people pay attention to what you're doing. It might not seem like it, but people pay attention to what you're doing, especially if you're the person getting stuff done. And that might be tactically and practically getting stuff done. And it might be, getting stuff done isn't like, oh, like he got, he found the answer to that. Or like, oh, she did some research and she found a way to do that. Okay. Now we don't have to worry about it. And, um, having someone who consistently goes above and beyond Mm -hmm. and brings the team forward in whatever way they can, that stands out and people will notice that. And so there's lots of different combinations and ways you can show that and demonstrate that. But if you have that mentality, um, just in yourself but as a person, it'll exude out into your actions and behavior and interactions with others. And that, and that will be noticed. Um, I love that. I, yeah. And I, I say, you know, proactiveness and common sense, like can't be taught, but when you see them, you know, them. you see it, you're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this because it's not really, you know, uh, uh, an issue for most leaders or, or companies anymore where, I've had a candidate that's sitting in front of me with a high school degree and someone with an MBA. And I, after doing enough interviewing and giving them situational questions, this, that, and the other, you're like, wow, like this person has no common sense, really (laughs) smart. That's fantastic. But this person right here, based on what we know, we talked to their, you know, previous bosses. Obviously they're going to demonstrate their portfolio, their work. And you're like, this is amazing. You take that person, you know? So I always look past like the obvious, which is education. Um, And I think, you know, when I go talk or or lecture at colleges, I tell the kids like, look, just your college degree is not enough. You need to go out and get common sense. And I love the example or the advice that you gave of being a problem solver, because you're so right, Emily. I mean, if, if someone is in front of you and instead of pointing out the problem and just agreeing, if, even if it's a silly solution to the problem, but it's just some thinking outside the box. That's what leads you to the ultimate answer always, isn't it? Yeah. And you would be surprised. I mean, maybe you wouldn't, but so many people just say the problem and stop talking. And I'm like, no, like, what, what are you doing? Like everyone knows they're like, yeah, you know, the server went down. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I will be trying to get it back up. Like, what are we doing? Um, And even being that person in a group, you know, how people can kind of drown in their pools of pessimism, like, oh, everyone's going to pile on to this negativity. Even if you're that one person who's like, hey guys, like, you know, 
what, what can we do about this? Or like, hey, how can we turn this around? Or like, no, I think we can do this. Just even saying something like that can change the direction of the conversation and change the direction of, of the of the room. And there's there's this great analogy I heard. Let me see if I can get it right. It's don't be the thermometer, be the thermostat. So don't be the thermometer that like takes the temperature, like, okay, mm. the temperature in this room is like 90 yeah. degrees or whatever. It's be the one who controls the temperature yeah. and said so like, hey guys, like here's where we need to go. I'm going to lead us there. And so I think that's a great thing to keep in mind as well. Oh, that's awesome. I love that advice. Well, I know we can, we, we can uh, give the links to your website. You've got the book and you've got a lot of stuff in the works here, Emily. But if our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, um, I have a book. It's called Hacking Executive Leadership, and we've touched on a few points like swizzle and some different things. But there's it's an it's a it's a combination of all my experience in the corporate world and mm -hmm. then coaching. So that's on Amazon. There's a Kindle version, Audible version. I know people are busy. And then, as you mentioned, um, if you want to connect with me or get some free resources, my website is nextlevel dot uh, coach. So nextlevel all one word dot coach, and you can find me there. No, that's awesome. Well, would you, do you have any last words to leave us with here to inspire everyone? I feel like everyone needs like ins inspirational sort of messages that these days because there's so much going on uh, between the economy, inflation, war, and all of that, right? So it's always nice to to hear anything positive. And you know, of course, we've already talked a lot about that. But uh, is there anything you want to leave us with? Absolutely. When things get daunting and overwhelming, which happens, remember this quote small wins add up faster than you think. So just go into your day, get the small win and do it over and over again. And they will add up faster than you think. Oh, I like that. Great. I say, you know, even me as the host, I'm always learning something new, right? And, and, and that's why we do the podcast because there's so many great people like yourself out there who, who have learned, have thousands and thousands of hours of experience in the field. And then you can share that with the world. And we so appreciate you coming on the podcast, Emily. Well, Alex, it's been a, a true pleasure. And I love speaking with people who are energetic and as uh, servant leadership oriented as you. So thank you for what you're doing with the podcast and with uh, your listeners. We appreciate it. <laughs>